Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. The Danforth families for safe communities. Following a mass shooting in Toronto in July of 2018, which claimed the lives of two young women and resulted in the wounding of 13 more individuals, after this, a group of families, the DFSC, began and they continue to, quote, advocate for measures to improve community safety, including gun policy reform. Ken Price is a member of the Danforth Families for Safe Communities. His daughter, Samantha, was wounded by the shooter in July of 2018. Mr. Price, good to talk to you. Thanks for coming on the program. Thank you, Roy. I appreciate the opportunity. So DFSC advocates for improved community safety, including gun policy reform. What you experienced as families in 2018 in Toronto with two deaths and 13 woundings must have been massively traumatic, must still be for many. What are you as a group advocating for as far as gun policy reform is concerned? Everyone in North America is talking about it, and it's really a global issue. What does uh, DFSC want to see? Well, I think, first of all, we decided after some months, because it's not easy to do so, as I'm sure you can imagine, um, to recount the experience. I think what we tried to, first of all, get across to people uh, is, you know, what it means when mistakes happen, when there's theft, diversion, whatever. When there's a, when you're on the wrong side of a gun, what does that mean to you, to your family, to a neighborhood, to a community? Because really that's what's at stake in terms of each and every mistake or misstep by someone um, so I think our first our first decision was, you know, can we talk about this because it's not easy? And secondly, should we? Will it be helpful to the people involved? And do we think we might be able to use that to to recommend change? Because I think as what happened to us occurred, uh, you know, the nation was undergoing a bit of a, you know, of a resurgence in gun violence uh, from about 2015 and onward, particularly in Toronto, but not only in Toronto. And, uh, you know, we kind of joined a, a discussion that was going on. Um, and so we thought what, what we should learn about this and then and then try to make the recommendations that we would like to see happen as now very concerned citizens and also uh, as people who have gone through this. So that's what we decided to do. Okay. I should have asked you first how your daughter is, how she reacts when we hear about yeah. terrible mass shootings like... Uvalde in Texas, later on this hour, Mark Barden is going to be joining us. His son Daniel was killed at Sandy Hook 10 years ago. Yeah. How is your daughter, and, and how does she respond to initiatives by the federal government like Bill C-21? Well, she ha is certainly supportive of the work we're doing as a group. I think her life has definitely changed, as you probably uh, could expect. So while she recovered physically from her injury, um, you know, her trust in the city when she goes out at night, when she rides the subway, which she used to do every day to school, when she goes to fireworks, uh, that's not, no longer on the menu. So there are definitely changes uh, when she looks at what we're trying to do. I think she's supportive and, uh, and you know, but has been reluctant to, she's one of the many people that are reluctant to kind of share or be able to talk to the uh, experience. Um, uh, it's difficult to do. And so she doesn't talk as publicly as her parents have. And so that's what, what we have tried to do on her behalf. Um, so it's, it's tough. But thank you for asking. Yeah, absolutely. Bill C-21, let me ask you about Bill C-21. Capping handgun ownership and freezing the sale, the importation, and the transfer of handguns 
I'm going to ask you what you may think is the most banal question you've heard today. <laughs> but here I go. Why is this legis- legislation necessary? Well, I think that what we did learn, um, and look, this is going to cost somebody something. So I'm going to say that right at the, right at the start, right, which is uh, maybe you know, the right of the average recreational shooter who is law-abiding uh, to, to, you know, surrender their guns. And, and here's why. Because as handguns have grown by about 55,000 a year, I think that's the number the public safety minister quoted. That's what's in the firearms report. So we've seen the growth of handguns from a few hundred thousand up to the million that we have now. There's been, uh, at the same time, um, a growth in the number of handgun crimes in the country. And so then people are asking, well, where are those guns coming from? And there's no question that a lot of those guns, some number of those guns are coming across the border. Um, I would say there are are some that say that it's all of the guns are coming across the border. They're being illegally smuggled in, such as, say, was the case in Portapique. That's not true in our case, and that's not true in many other cases. I can point to an incident, for example, in April in, in the Annex neighborhood of Toronto, where a person who had a restricted possession and acquisition license amassed a Allegedly, I should say allegedly, because this has not been proven in court, but it was reported in the media that a person had amassed a number of guns and used handgun to indiscriminately shoot at people in on the downtown streets of Toronto. So there's an example right there. There are examples of where gun clubs, you know, there was a, a theft of a number of guns out of a gun club in Dunmore, Alberta in May on June the 1st. Uh, the Global News, I noticed, reported that there was a person that ran around with a with a license they had obtained through uh, identity theft um, and, uh, and, and through activities with auction houses had amassed 68 guns, and yeah, they were caught. But, you know, all, not all the guns have been retrieved from those situations. We, so the answer is we, we don't know how many guns are coming from the domestic supply and are turning into crime guns. Um, but we're, we're look at other countries where they have tighter handgun policies and they have fewer handgun issues. And we know that handgun problems are on the rise in this country. So we think it's a mixture of both border security and um, basically a, a cap and then eventual phasing out of handguns in Canada that will lead to safer streets for us. And that's what we've been advocating for. I hope listeners don't think I'm going to pit one guest against another. This is not the idea for this segment. I want to talk to our guests, hear their points of view, and you decide when you're listening where you stand on this issue. Ken, on the issue of uh, long gun ownership in Canada, it's very difficult and it's time-consuming to qualify for and obtain an unrestricted permit in Canada. What are your thoughts on the possession of shotguns and rifles? Well, I kind of grew up in a part of the country where that was prevalent. You know, I mean, uh, shotgun hunting rifles, um, you know, rifles, shotguns. Um, you know, admittedly, as I'm growing up, I'm a little bit older. Maybe those rifles weren't as high-powered and more and more high-powered, you know, derivatives of, um, uh, you know, military-style technologies found its way into consumer products. So we take issue with that. But we're not, you know, that's a vast minority of people that hold these restricted licenses. And it's a vast minority of of, hunt, of uh, gun-holding folks that have those kinds of licenses. So the guns that we're talking about, which are the ones that are most frequently used in crimes, are the ones that we have issue with when we just talk about the supply side of the issue. So there are, I don't know, like 2.2, 2.3 million people that have these licenses in general. And I think about 600,000 have restricted licenses. So it's it's a minority. And I think only about half of those actually use handguns and half are for the other restricted weapons, which and this aren't easy facts to track or to get a hold of, but that's what we've been able to find out. 
So what I would say to the, you know, to the vast majority of gun owners and hunters and on the supply side and the kinds of weapons they're using for hunting and uh, warding pests off of farms and things like that, we have no, we, we hope that they continue to responsibly use those weapons as they do. And we have no issue with that. We're, we're really trying to reduce risk by taking the most dangerous and often used weapons in crime out of circulation in Canada to try to help. Okay, have 30 seconds left. How much interest do you hear or do you discern exists in Canada on the issue of gun ownership from the population? Well, I think when asked, you know, like we were probably like us, you know, before this happened to us, you know, it's an issue in balance. Um, but when asked, you know, we see surveys that suggest most people want to see action taken and they wanted to see it taken at the federal level. But, you know, action not only on this, but on resources at the border, on, you know, protections for women against violent partners, all kinds of other issues. And I think it's because the bill was comprehensive. You know, if it had just been about, you know, capping handguns, I think the Danforth families would be very disappointed. But it's not. It's about a bunch of things that need to happen that I think even uh, gun owners and gun clubs and so on have gotten behind. So we're, we're hopeful that it will go forward, but we know there's a long way to go before it gets implemented. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.